Hola familia de Heritage, les saludamos en el nombre de Cristo Jesús, nuestro Salvador. Hey Heritage family, we greet you in the name of Christ Jesus, our rescuer. I want to say welcome to all of you wherever you're joining us from as you make the ordinary space you're in sacred space as we connect as the church, connecting with God, one another, and our purpose. We're so glad that you're joining us for worship today. As you can see, I'm here in our Rock Island Campus Worship Center where everything is ready and socially distanced. We are ready for you to join us live in space on any Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. We're doing everything we can to help us stay safe as we connect with God, others, and our purpose. And I promise you'll have a great experience with the Heritage family if you join us in these spaces. You can register using the Church Center app or using the app through our website at heritageqc.com. Again, I encourage you, if you haven't had a chance to join us live in space yet, to check us out one of these weekends at 9 or 11 on Sunday. Now, you may have noticed that at the beginning, I greeted you in a couple of different languages, and throughout the rest of this gathering, you'll find moments where we worship in Spanish and in English, where we have different opportunities for our family across generations, across ethnicities, across languages, and across geography to connect with God, one another, and their purpose in unique ways. So we encourage you, sing out loud in your heart language, lean in. In, press in, be fully present as we ask God to speak to us, to lead us, to meet us where we are. Again, in these ordinary spaces become sacred. There's something incredible that happens when we press us into God together in these ways. In the scriptures, there's a, there's a whole book of songs and prayers called the Psalms. I love the book of Psalms for many reasons. One of them is because it just seems to help me express what my heart wants to say when I can't even find the right words to do it. But another reason I love the Psalms is because we know that they were the prayer book that Jesus himself used to connect with God, his Father, in prayer. And in the last five of those prayers or songs, every one of them is started and ended with a simple phrase, hallelujah. It means praise the Lord. And in Psalm 146, we read this, hallelujah, praise the Lord, my soul. He is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. This is our invitation today. It is to declare, praise the Lord, to raise a hallelujah regardless of circumstance. Maybe in your life you feel as though you are bent under the weight of the world, that you're oppressed or you're hungry for things you can't even articulate. And we want to remind you God is there with you, worthy of praise. He is active in every circumstance. And so this next song that we're singing together simply states, we raise a hallelujah in every circumstance, no matter what we're facing. We say, praise the Lord, because he is active. 
He is good, and He is doing more than we can ask or imagine and beyond what we can even see. So I invite you, wherever you are, press in, sing out loud with us, and declare that we are raising a hallelujah together. Let's sing. Hold on me 
we're creation. We're creation suddenly articulate with a thousand tongues to lift one cry. Then from north to south and east to west, we'd hear Christ be magnified. Were the whole earth echoing his eminence, his name would burst from sea and sky. From rivers to the mountaintops, we'd hear Christ be magnified. And oh, Christ be magnified, just let his praise arise, Christ be magnified.
lift our voices one more time. And oh, Christ be magnified. Just let his praise arise. Christ be magnified in me. And oh, Christ be magnified from the altar of my life. Christ be magnified in me. Hey friends, we just got done singing a great song with a powerful lyric that actually serves as a great prayer. It, the, the lyric is, Christ be magnified in me. And it brings to mind a, a magnifying glass, right? I, I don't know if you did this as a kid, but you know, when I was a kid, I'd probably use a magnifying glass to, to, to burn things, you know? But that's just a secondary use of a magnifying glass. The primary use is to get an awareness or an understanding of things that we can sort of see, but with that magnification, we can see it up close and we can begin to really understand what's going on. And so this song really helps us ask an important question. What would someone see in our lives if they held up a magnifying glass? And it's, it's a question that I, I want you to think about. Uh, if someone to really magnify our lives, would they see Jesus? or would they see something else? Would they see the love of Jesus or would they see something else? Would we magnify and amplify the love of God or would we be amplifying and magnifying other things? And it's a really great question to interact with. And in fact, as we get ready to engage in prayer together, I want to just encourage us to, to think about what are we magnifying in our life and to really allow that prayer to settle in deep in your soul, that you would be a magnifier of Jesus, of his love, of life in him. So would you join me as we pray together? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, thank you for the love and the grace that you've poured out on us. We marvel at your mercy and we continue to be stunned at your willingness to save us and redeem us and, and to adopt us as your daughters and sons. We give you great praise for this. Our deep prayer right now in this moment is that you would be magnified in each of us. That the closer people get to us, may they see lives surrendered to your authority. May, may they see hearts bursting forth your love and your mercy. May they see uh, our minds that, that are thinking hopeful thoughts about victory in you. May they see hands and feet that are obedient to serve and to give thanks and to restore according to your will for our lives. And God, we recognize there's gonna be moments in our lives when we actually wish that we had a magnifying glass that, that we could sort of look at things that we don't understand a little bit more closely. There's gonna be times when we just don't quite understand your will and, and we just ask God that you would help us trust you, particularly in those painful moments of our lives. That you would help us trust your ability to steady us. That you would help us trust that you're working and moving in ways that we can't always see or understand. Help us to trust your heart, oh God, and to keep taking that next step of obedience in you. We pray these things 
In the name of our Redeemer and of our Savior, in the name of Jesus, amen. Church, I want to invite you to just continue to worship the Lord as we sing about the God who always makes a way.
darkness, my God, that is who you Keep 
Hey friends, thanks for tuning in today. I'm really looking forward to our time together, but before we dig into the scripture for the day, I want to introduce you to someone, a friend of mine. This is Phineas. Phineas is pretty cute, and he's going to help us as we dive into a story in the Bible that involves a fish. It's not about a fish, but it has a story with a fish in it. And Phineas is going to help us along the way. Now, I don't know what you understand or know about goldfish, but they are considered to be the most popular pet ever. There is about 480 million goldfish sold every year, which is more than dogs and cats combined. They are, hands down, the most popular aquarium fish. It's fascinating, the nuances of what a goldfish is. Some people say that goldfish have been pets longer than any other animal, right up there with dogs and parrots. Now, I don't know if that is true, but I'll tell you this. There's a a fact about goldfish that's important for us as we begin our journey, and that is simply that goldfish like Phineas, Phineas have an attention span of nine seconds. Yep, you heard it, nine seconds. So since I introduced you to Phineas, we've lost him more than once. Now, Phineas is going to help us, and we'll come back to him a little bit later, but, but nine seconds may not seem like all that much time. Nine seconds can actually go by pretty quickly, but something more shocking than Phineas's limitation of nine seconds is that researchers have found that you and I, we as humans, have an attention span, wait for it, of eight seconds. Yes, that's right. You and I have an attention span that is less than a goldfish. It's mind-blowing. It's actually crazy. Now, the truth is, although our attention span may be shorter, it was longer. Back in 2000, researchers did a survey that said that our attention span as humans was 12 seconds. But with the introduction of technology and media and the amount of information that we're exposed to on a daily basis, we've lost four seconds. Our attention span is now shorter than a goldfish. It is now so short that a goldfish like Phineas can pay attention longer than us. Okay, now you may be wondering, why does this matter and how is this helpful and not simply discouraging? Well, attention is tied to care. It's tied to what we value, what's important, what we have interest in. It's really about what we value. And And some of you are already saying, I don't really care about this and I don't value this. I get it. Hang with me. Because if we go back to Phineas for just a moment, Phineas will pay attention to me longer if I'm holding food. He'll pay attention to me longer than nine seconds when something of value intersects with his world. Interest, uh, attention is given towards what we value. And that's really important when it comes to the things of God and the things of faith. Who or what we give our attention to matters. It it matters. Our attention and our attention span matters because it's really about what we consider important. It's what we see as worthwhile. It's what we consider to be worthy of sacrifice, what we care about or are interested in. And it can have huge, let me say, huge implications for us and others, especially those around us. You see, There was a guy named Jonah, and he's mentioned several times in the Bible. In fact, there is an entire book of the Bible that's dedicated to one particular season in his life. That book is named after him. It's the book of Jonah. 
And in it, we find some helpful reminders about the implications of limited attention span. However, this story is a story with a fish in it. It's not a story about a fish. It's a story that involves a fish. And as we process the realities of this fish in the story, this fish has less in common with Phineas than we often do. In fact, we have more in common with Phineas and Jonah than we may realize. We'll come back to Phineas a little bit later in our journey, but let's go ahead and get into the Word of God today and into the Scriptures. If you have a Bible, I invite you to grab it, to click or turn to the book of Jonah. You're going to find it towards the end of the Old Testament, towards the back half of the first half of the Bible. If you find Joel, Amos, or Obadiah, Jonah's after that. If you end up in Micah, Nahum, or Habakkuk, just go back a little bit more. You've, you've already passed Jonah. And within the book of Jonah, we find 40 verses that tell us the story of Jonah in this particular season, with an additional eight verses specifically dedicated to a prayer that he prays. We're going to look at that prayer next week. This week, we're in chapter 1. Chapter 1 of the book of Jonah, and we're going to be starting with verse 1. And we're going to see today something that is incredibly important for all of us, no matter who we are, where we're at, or even what we've done. The reality is that every earthly dynamic has a divine opportunity. Every earthly dynamic holds and has within it a divine opportunity. Every circumstance that, that is a space for you and I to steward what's going on in that dynamic, to prioritize the things of God. Every dynamic, whether it's good or bad, whether it's healthy or unhealthy, if it's unhealthy, there's something better that God has in a divine opportunity. If it's something healthy, there's actually something God wants more in that dynamic. Every earthly dynamic holds divine opportunity. So whatever dynamic you find yourself in today, whether it's by your fault or not, whether it's by your choice or just something that you've encountered, it has an opportunity, one that God wants to see realized. He's always working. He's always loving. He seeks what can be in whatever is in our lives, and he invites us to be part of it. For him, for those around us, and even for ourselves. The reality is that it can be realized with all of the relationships and dynamics we sit in, with people that we get along with and people we struggle to get along with. Again, it can be healthy, it can be unhealthy, but in every earthly dynamic, it holds a divine opportunity that we can live into or not for something better or for something more. So let's get into the scriptures today. We're, again, we're going to be in Jonah chapter 1, starting with verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Now, just for clarity, Jonah was a prophet of God. He's not a fictional character. He's historical. He's mentioned multiple times throughout the Bible in a couple different places. Even Jesus refers to Jonah as Jesus describes his own journey in life. If you want to check that out, you can go to Matthew chapter 12. But at the beginning of the book of Jonah, God gives Jonah a task. Verse 2, this is what God says. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. Now, God has identified a problem and he's activating a response through Jonah. This is the divine opportunity, and it's really cool. God essentially tells Jonah to do two things, to go and to tell, really go and to preach, to declare the reality of the dynamic. That's the divine opportunity. And it's a big deal because Nineveh was about 500 miles northeast of Israel. It was a powerful adversary to Israel. 
It, it was an incredible mission that, that God was positioning Jonah for. And in some ways, Jonah should have been honored to have been asked. But his response is to run, to run from God. Verse 3, but Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. Now, at this point, we really don't know why Jonah has started to run. That's not really revealed in Scripture for us. But it's silly that he would. It's silly because we cannot run God. We can't go anywhere that he isn't already going to be. Psalm 139 tells us we can't run from his presence. He's, He's there. He is omnipresent. He's present everywhere. Yet, Jonah is seeking to say, no, I'm not going on this mission. And he's doing it so dramatically, he's heading in the opposite direction. He's heading for Tarshish, which is the opposite direction of Nineveh. It's on the far end of what would be modern day Spain today. And in his pursuit to do that, he's totally committed. Here's what it says. After paying for the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Again, (laughs) something that's really impossible to get away from the presence of the Lord. But I got to say, Jonah must have had a better track record with God before this moment. I think it's reasonable to really deduce that if entrusted with a task like he was asked of God, that Jonah must have been a person of faith or have been faithful in the past. I think that's reasonable, which makes it even more silly to think that he would talk to God, hear from God, and then turn around and run. It's a, a very interesting dynamic. But here's the thing. Our memory can be short and our attention span can be shorter. Even mature people can do immature things. And Jonah does. And God responds. Not to punish Jonah, but really to rescue him. And that becomes clear in the rest of the story. But in verse 4, it says that the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. Now, again, I find it really intriguing that Jonah would be someone, a man of faith, who would talk to God and then forget about the significance of that in, I don't know, an eight-second attention span moment and turn around and run. But I think if we're honest, you and I can do the same thing. We can have an encounter with God and then in our attention span, in our forgetfulness, turn and walk away. We can even have so many things going on in our lives that we have a limited attention I find some days that I can be doing that in different scenarios. I can be watching TV and working on something. That's limited attention. And missing something on TV while working on something else is not that big of a deal. But if I'm having a conversation with my wife, Beth, while multitasking in some other area, that's a bigger deal to have a limited attention towards my bride. Or even worse, to have a limited attention towards God because I'm distracted in putting my attention somewhere else. And in a way, Jonah's actually doing that as he processes stress or fear or the immensity of the task. Limited attention has a ripple. Yet, God wants our attention for his purpose. And he'll seek it. He wants to, he'll come find it for a greater purpose. You see, although every earthly dynamic holds a divine opportunity, we can actually choose to give our attention to something other than his purpose. It it can happen over time, or it can happen quickly. It can happen in a space where we know it's happening and we're choosing it, or it can happen in a space where we carelessly stumble into it. It can happen over time or happen quickly. It happened quickly for Jonah. And whenever we're in a dynamic that we don't like or an opportunity we want to avoid, where there's stress, where there's fear, where there's uncertainty, it can cause us to lose focus 
For some, maybe for you, it has to do with this COVID journey that we're in. Maybe for some of you, it has to do with some political or cultural reality you're facing. Maybe a work dynamic or maybe something within your marriage. In those spaces, we can be tempted to justify a response and run. That response can include moving away from the greater purposes of God. But we do that if we forget who he is and who we are before him, which is exactly what Jonah did. He forgot who he was and he forgot who he was before God. If we continue to read in the narrative in chapter one, we find out that when that storm hit, the crew of the ship was in a panic. They struggled in that dynamic. Jonah actually goes down below in the ship and falls asleep. And in a desperation, the crew of the ship started to throw supplies overboard and eventually asked Jonah, hey man, wake up, call out to your God, what's going on? And, and eventually Jonah fesses up. He, he acknowledges that part of the problem is him. And in verse 9, he says, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. He's basically saying it's my fault. And then he says, so toss me overboard. Now, this is a really key moment because it's, it's actually when Jonah remembers who God is and who he is before him. And he realigns his attention to God. And he takes responsibility for what he's done and where he's been. You know, I think we can all bump into things in life that we can struggle with. Things we don't like, things that we really don't want, maybe even things we want to refuse to accept. But no matter the circumstance, there's always a divine opportunity. One that God is able to move in when he has our attention, our focus. And here's the thing about God's ability to move. God will always use his power to facilitate his purpose. God always uses his power to facilitate his purpose. Whatever God orchestrates in life or whatever he allows, he's always working a greater purpose. And God can change circumstances that you and I sit in. He can, he can start a storm and he can stop a storm. He has power and he'll use that power to change dynamics in life, but not if it's not aligned to his purpose. He doesn't change them just because we don't like them or because they're hard. He uses his power for his purpose more than for our preference. We're to align to him not him to us. We're to give him our attention, not simply ask him to pay attention to us. That's one of the nuances in the dynamic. So let's get back to the story of Jonah and where we're at in the narrative, because Jonah has fessed up. He's asked the crew of the ship to throw him overboard. And these guys are actually pretty decent guys, kind of moral, even selfless, because they reject his recommendation. They refuse to throw him overboard. They don't want to sacrifice him. It's a pretty noble thing. They even try to row out of the storm. Verse 13 says this, instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. See, God's amping up the storm in this dynamic. God uses his power for his purpose, but he also uses his power toward his purpose. And eventually the crew relents. And in verse 14, they, they cry out to the Lord. They say, please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Now, at this point, God has their attention, and this becomes a divine opportunity. They actually demonstrate more spiritual maturity and more honor toward God than Jonah has. And in verse 15, they take Jonah and they throw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. 
to him. And there are a lot of great moments in the book of Jonah, many that lots of people are familiar with. The most familiar is coming up with the introduction of a fish. But this moment right here, there's a moment right here where we just read that intrigues me. It's between verses 15 and verse 16. It's the space of calm between the storm and the fish. It's a moment that I think is unique. Because in a moment, the fish is going to come and swallow up Jonah. And I don't know how long, what the time span is at the end of verse 15 to the beginning of verse 16. But it's powerful to me. Because this is where God has everyone's attention. The crew on the boat and Jonah and even the fish. He has their attention and then he moves towards his purpose. Because this fish isn't punishment. This fish is rescue. It's part of God's redemptive plan for Jonah and for Nineveh. God always uses his power for his purpose. You know, prior to college, I had the opportunity to go on a wilderness trip. And um, in that season, I learned things about God that I hadn't yet known. It was a place of learning the power of prayer, the the. The, the nuances of scripture in ways that I hadn't experienced. It was pretty significant and even, even journaled about those experiences back in that time frame. Well, unexpectedly, uh, not long ago, I had the opportunity to go back to that same area. Uh, and what was more unexpected than the opportunity to go back to the place that I encountered God in, in unique ways was the reality of the flood of memories and emotions and things that God brought back to mind for me. Things that I had lost track of, things that had faded over time. It would have been about 30 years from the moment that I had recorded some of the notes in this notebook to the moment that I sat in the same space and was reminded about the power of prayer, or reminded of, of the nuances that are found in Scripture. It wasn't that I had totally forgotten all of them, but I had certainly lost nuances. They had faded over time. And one of the things that I understand, if we don't make time to direct our attention to God, we can lose track of things that he has already told us. We can forget things that that he has shown us along the way. And I wonder in this season if there is something that you have forgotten that God has told you, that God has shown you over your journey with him. Or better yet, where is God wanting your attention for his purpose? He, He never gives his power for our purpose. So where is he directing you for his? God went to Jonah to get his attention for a greater purpose. God used the storm to get Jonah's attention for a greater purpose. And he's about to use a fish, a fish much bigger than this one, to get Jonah's attention to a greater purpose. Jonah's attention needed to shift. Where is God wanting your attention for his purpose? God always prefers to work through us, but he will work in spite of us. He he does both. So, if you and I don't give our attention. He sometimes will just come and get it because our attention matters. It matters for him and his purposes. It matters for others, and it it even matters for us. Phineas's attention span is short, but the ripple of that is nominal. He's a goldfish in a a fishbowl. But you and I are sons and daughters of the Most High God who is omniscient, all-knowing, omnipotent, all-powerful, and omnipresent, present everywhere. Our attention matters. And whenever God allows a circumstance, it is to get our attention 
so that some greater purpose in his world can be achieved. Every earthly dynamic holds a divine opportunity, and I wonder what yours is today. Are you going to run into it or run away from it? Where does he want your attention? It could be in an area of purity or habits or a relationship that's either healthy or not healthy. In that dynamic, there's either something better or something more that he desires. Where have you forgotten something that he taught you before? Where have you been distracted? Where have you been tempted to drift or to choose poorly? something foolish. He will bring his power to bear when you give him your attention. And if you're ready to do that, it simply starts with aligning all that you are to all that he is. To be honest about who you are and where you've been, to be honest about your choices, about sin in your life, uh, about things that you're responsible for, but then to choose Jesus in giving him authority. If you're willing to start in that dynamic, then you're positioned to walk in a daily posture, daily practices of, of reading the Bible, of praying to God, of, of, of even journaling, and other spiritual disciplines that keep us aligned and allow us to keep our, our focus and attention on Him. And then there's really an opportunity and need for us to regularly revisit and return our attention back to Him. But the longer we go without that, the further we drift and our memory can fade. Now is the time for a next step of obedience. Today is the day to align our attention or we can end up missing divine opportunity in our lives. You know, you may find that you're in a scenario you don't want to be in. Uh, maybe it's a quarantine dynamic. Maybe you're afraid of some health issues or dynamics. Maybe it has something to do with stress at work or some other dynamic around your job, job loss even. I want to encourage you to identify in that space where God is working even in those moments because Every earthly circumstance holds divine opportunity, any dynamic. So respond by giving him your attention and your priority. And don't stop doing it. If, if you waver, then just come back and return. Realign your attention to him in prayer, in Bible reading, and be willing to sacrifice your own comfort for the good of others. You know, I kind of wonder what Jonah's story would have been like if he had just kept his attention on the purpose of God from the beginning. If he hadn't gotten distracted, if he hadn't forgotten, he, he quickly goes from favor to a place of rebellion. What some have called the downward spiral where he goes down to Joppa, down into the bottom of the ship, down into the water and down into the fish until he goes down on his knees. And he reorients his attention and prays to God. God shows great mercy and grace in that dynamic and that's wonderful. But the truth is we can avoid greater sorrow through greater obedience. And I wonder where he's trying to get your attention. I'm, I'm so glad that God included the story of Jonah in Scripture. I'm looking forward to this journey with you and with Phineas. Because I think Jonah helps us understand and know the tendency we have to choose our comfort over his kingdom. To choose our purpose over his purpose. And as we continue in our conversation, I want you to recognize that in any and every earthly dynamic, there is a divine opportunity. And when we choose lesser things... When we choose to run, everybody loses. So today, where is God wanting your attention for his purpose? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you're a God who loves, who pursues, who has a purpose and a plan, and that you include us in that. So help us to understand where you're calling us to direct our attention, to return to you for your greater purposes. I pray this in the name of your Son, in the name of our Savior, in the name of Jesus. Amen.
Every earthly circumstance has divine opportunity. There's incredible hope in those words for you and for me, no matter what we're facing. Every circumstance we're facing, everything that we're in is full of divine opportunity. I'm thankful for that truth, and I hope that you anchor in it this day and in the week ahead, no matter what you end up facing, that you would see God at work, and there's opportunity for you to experience and live into more of Him and more with Him. You know, we see that in all kinds of things around us. We believe that God is at work in the impossible things of life. As we continue to pray for those who are facing devastating wildfires in the West, as we pray for those who are facing new floods and rainstorms as a result of hurricanes, and as we participate actively in the recovery from Hurricane Laura in Texas and Louisiana. We want to say thank you, friends, for your part in allowing us, out of your uh, radical generosity, to partner with World Hope International and bring things like generators and clean water and meet very real-time needs in Texas and Louisiana. Because of you, we were able to make a sizable donation to World Hope in meeting those needs as a result of Hurricane Laura. So thank you for being part of that story and so many others. If you wanna find ways of being part of our radical generosity together, I again encourage you to connect with us online at heritageqc.com where you'll interact with our app, the Church Center app, where you can give, you can register, you can send us a connection card and let us know how to pray. We encourage you to connect with us in those ways. And I want to highlight a couple of great opportunities coming up for you this week. One is to join us outside of our Bridgepoint location in downtown Moline for live outdoor worship and baptism. On Wednesday at 6.30 in the evening, we're going to join with those who declare they are free to live in Christ Jesus because of the work He has done in them. You are not going to want to miss that. You don't need to register for that. You can just show up at 6.30, bring a lawn chair, and worship with us as we celebrate the great things God has done. We also want to encourage you, join us in our live in-space gatherings here in Rock Island. It's safe, we are socially distanced, and we'll take good care of you. You do need to register in advance for that, so I encourage you to head on over to heritageqc.com and register now for worship this Sunday with us in space. In the meantime, know we are praying for you, we love you, and we expect great things for you. Have a great week.